I want to welcome everybody that is uh, going to be viewing by video, whatever platform you might use, Facebook or through YouTube. We're certainly glad to have you with us tonight. Glad to have these folks with us. And uh, we're going through the book of Genesis. We're doing right now we are on Genesis. This is the series, the Old Testament Basics. And remember, we're just kind of like trying to skim a rock. And it's it's hard, really. You know, it was hard to skim a rock as a kid sometimes, wasn't it? If you didn't get the angle just right, boy, down it would go. And, you, and it wouldn't skim very well. And I'm trying hard not to dive in here, but it's, it's very tempting, all right? I'll just tell you that it is. But Genesis 1, and uh, the scripture says there, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And, uh, and in that, and notice in it, we see how it says in verse 2, says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Just let me throw something out there for you grammatically, all right? Some of you are very good at that. But you know, whenever a sentence starts with the word of and, do you remember what they call the word and in grammar? What was it called? Thank you, brother. Man, that was a man that said that. A man said that. That's all the grammar I know. Okay, all right. All right. Well, but, but you were right on time, brother. I appreciate that. Man, you're a good man to use for illustrations. I appreciate that. It's a conjunction. Now the big question is, does anybody know what that means? <laughs> no, a conjunction, it joins things together, doesn't it? All right, so when you see a verse starting with the word and, it's joined to the preceding verse. And each of these, as you go through chapter 1, that's what you'll find. Notice, look at verse 3. Verse 3 starts with and. Verse 4 starts with and. Verse 5 starts with and. Verse 6 starts with and. I mean, it's all the way through, showing us that each of these days were, in fact, a 24-hour day. So it's not only, we not only know that because of the wording that is used, the evening and the morning were the first day, but the fact that grammatically we find it here, the word and. And so it joins these verses together that they are connected, and they are connected in such a way that we're not talking about, you know, some people want to take that passage, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And they want to take that reference in Peter to, to make a statement about what happened here in creation, that each one of these days was a thousand years. Not so, not so. If that were it, then why would the Lord have said the evening and the morning were the first day, a 24-hour period? So, so we have the benefit of not only the, 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 the language that is used, the and and the day, but also if you will, the, the grammar that we find here, all right? And so, and so we know that in the beginning, the Lord created the heaven and the earth, and it tells us how here in, in these following passages. And so it makes a declaration, and then the subsequent passages are all there to explain what was the procedure, what was the order in which things were created. And, uh, and so creation exhibits the power of God, and so... That's what we looked at, and we said some of the things that it does, man, it denies atheism, it denies polytheism, it denies uh, fatalism, in other words, that all this happened by chance. 
You know, people say, well, you know, the, the, the evolutionist says, well, it was the Big Bang Theory. Uh, there was some stuff out there, and it went together, you know, and it, it banged together. But my question is, where did the stuff come from? <laughs> All right? I mean, it, you know, what they used to think a long time ago, and I mentioned this after church uh, the last time we looked at this, they used to believe in something called spontaneous generation. In other words, that life actually came from something that was dead and that they used meat, a piece of raw meat or a meat that was going to spoil as the proof of that because they couldn't figure out where the flies came from and the larvae that was found on the meat. And so somebody got clever and said, man, let's put this stuff in a jar and I'm going to put a little, uh, I'm going to put some fabric over this and screw the lid down on it. And then we're going to let that meat rot and see what happens. I want to see if these bugs appear inside the glass jar. They, in other words, they had no access to the, to the meat. I want to see where it comes from. Does it really come out of the meat? Gosh, I'm glad they didn't find it like that. I'd hate to be thinking that we're eating vermin all the time. Amen. Now, you know, and I'll just, you know, just so, just so that you won't be disappointed. You know, there's a certain amount of dead things in the grains and cereal and all, you know, I don't know who decided on how much is enough of that, but, uh, I don't eat much cereal as a result, all right? But nonetheless, uh, so what happened over time? Where did, where, did the, where did those larvae come from? They came from flies that landed on that material that was saturated with the odor of that rotting meat, and those flies laid their eggs and larvae appeared. And so it refuted the idea of spontaneous generation because we know that life doesn't come from dead things. Amen. It doesn't. Except it be the miraculous like Aaron's rod that budded. Amen. Hey, when, it, when, a, when a, a limb is taken off of a tree, it's, a, it's, a, it's no longer part of the living. And uh, But Aaron's rod budded because that's the way God wanted it to be. Amen. And a symbol there of resurrection and so forth. And so... So the, the, the fatalism that, that all this happened by chance, you know, man, that takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe the Bible. And, uh, and so certainly it denies evolution with its doctrine of infinite becoming. I just need more time, more time, more time. Well, the Lord did this in just a week. Amen. That's how long it took. Each day he created something. Day one, light was spoken. Day two, waters divided. Day three, Dry land and seas appeared. Day four, sun, moon, and stars were made. Day five, fish and fowl multiplied after their kind. Day six, both beast and mankind were made. Now look over there with me. I asked you to go to chapter one. Now look in verse 26. Notice what it says. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. This is the reason why, it, it, you know, to some measure, when when uh, when the deer see you, or or some other animal, typically they, they cower, they move away, they're very cautious because they have the dread of man on them. Now, my wife doesn't think that that that's true when it comes to roaches. They're not afraid of anybody. All right. And, uh, and so I tried to tell her that they have the fear of man and she said, no, they don't. And so anyway, I'm going to stick with the Bible. All right. And, uh, and so we have dominion, exercise dominion over those things. And so notice verse 27 now it says, so God created man in his own image 
In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. So, so here again, we have one of those, sort of one of those broad statements. And then we're going to find out as we go down through the rest of the chapter, into chapter two, how did that creation take place? There's a little more detail here than just, he created the animals and they multiplied after their kind. And he created, he told the fish multiply and they multiplied after their kind. There's a little more detail here because man is the crown of God's creation. Man is the crown. And, uh, and so, so what, I want you to go to chapter two with me and let's see this. All right, look in verse one. Notice what it says. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. This is almost like a summary and all the host of them. Now, now stay with me on this. Now listen, chapter two is not a continuation of the creation story, but rather it's a second accounting in part on the condition of the earth and, uh, and from whence man came on the sixth day. It's a further explanation it's another accounting of what has taken place, but it's not a continuation. This is not a longer period of time when this happened. And so, uh, and so notice how it puts this, thus the heavens and the earth. Heavens, now it's plural, all right? And all the host of them. What's the host? The host are all the stars and things. Now, you know, there, you know there's more than one heaven, right? Say, so how do you know that? Well, it says heavens right there. So that S on the end means plural. Well, let, let, let me just throw this out here to you. The, the, the first heaven is the heaven here where the birds fly and the airplanes move around. The, these are considered the heavens right here. When you look a little further than that, you find, the, you find where the firmament showeth his handiwork, right? And, uh, and so, the, you know, the, the heavens declare the glory of God. Well, which heaven is that? That's the... That is the heaven, the, the uh, celestial heaven, where the sun, moon, and stars reside, where the planets are, the galaxies, and so forth. So we got the ones where the birds and airplanes fly around and the bugs fly around. We've got the one where the, where the sun, moon, and stars and all them occupy. And then you have the third heaven, according to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians over there in chapter 12. He said he was taken up in the spirit, if you will. He, could, he didn't know whether in the body, out of the body, to, uh, to uh, paradise in the third heaven. He went to the third heaven. So if there's a third heaven, there must have been a one and two. Well, the first one, where the, where the birds fly, where the bugs fly, the second one, where the sun, moon, and stars are located, and the third heaven is where God lives out there, all right? And uh, and so we have the word of God on that. Now, I, I'm just telling you, I believe that. Yes. I believe it. You say, why is that? Well, because I, I, you know, I really wish they'd put a pirate on here. I'm tired of that woman telling me what to do, all right? <laughs> and uh, I'm just gonna leave this off sometime. I think that's what I'm gonna do. You know, there's a little boy at church. Every time he saw something at church, he asked his mother, what does that mean? And she told him. And one day the little boy saw the preacher take his watch off. And he said, Mama, what does that mean when the preacher takes his watch off? And she said, not a thing. Doesn't mean anything, you know. Anyway, um, you'll get that. Now, I may have to, that's a social security joke. You get it when you're 65, all right? Uh, so, 
So what we find here, this is a continuation, if you will, of, of giving us the information. It's, it, I should say it's not a continuation of creation, but it is an accounting, an accounting of what God did, all right? And so all the host of them. So it includes all the galaxies and things that we have seen. But understand it, this, the earth that we're going to read about here that was back then is not the earth that we have today. Something happens between that earth of creation and the earth that we are in now. You see, in that earth, it had never rained. Look at it with me. Look, notice what it says. Look in verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and, the, and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. So we're talking about a time before there was Adam and Eve, before there was male or female, before there was a man. And so you think about it. Notice what it says. man. I mean, you know, it had never rained and the climate existed. Look at verse six. It says, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So it must have been, there must have been, you know, that, you know, this is a 25 cent word, you know, the hydrological cycle. What happens? The sun comes out, causes the waters to evaporate. They rise build up in the clouds. The clouds get dark with moisture. When, when that moisture is heavier than the gravity, what do they do? Down they come, all right? When it saturates that cloud, down they come. It comes the rain, which lands on the mountains and fills the streams and so forth. That goes out to the sea where the sun can bake it again and evaporate it, and up it goes, all right? That's that cycle. Well, there must have been enough difference between the evening and the morning being the first day that it created a little bit of an imbalance there, to, for lack of a better word, but climate-wise, there was enough of a difference to where there was some dew that was going to be on the ground. It was a mist, the Bible says. It was not a river, but it was a mist, all right? And, and just let me throw this out here for you. We'll get a little more, maybe a little more detail on this. You know what they have recently found? I say recently. Scientists have discovered, you know what, that there's more water uh, uh, down below uh, around 450 miles down. That's, a, that's about eight times further than, than the deepest well that's ever been drilled. But there is water down there, and it's a part, that water is, if you will, is embedded in the things that are down there in that material that's down on the, <clears throat> on the inside of the earth. And I just think that's interesting when you hear about the, that the fountains of the deep cracked open. I think part of that water, you say, well, how much water they found down there? Do you know that the, they believe that the combined total of that water is far, is far greater than all the water in all the oceans on the planet right now? I read it, and they said science has proved that. So science is good for something. Amen. It's just all the time catching up with the Bible, but I do think that's where that water came from when it says the fountains of the deep cracked open. But think about it. Back in those days, there was no pollution. There, was, there were no earthquakes, no tidal waves, no floods, etc. No corruption of any kind. 
There was no sin. And there was no death. I mean, you talk about a perfect place. It was perfect. Now think about it. As such, it's no wonder. Look, look in chapter 1. Look at verse 31. It's no wonder the Lord said this. Remember, when he, would, when he would create something, he saw it and he said, man, that was good. That was good. That was good. All the things that happened on those days, that was good. But look at verse 31 of chapter 1. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. <laughs> it was very good. Amen. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I mean, hey, he said it was very good when he got done because we know on the seventh day, he rested from his labors, if you will. All right. So think about this for a minute also. You know, what are fossils? What are, what's a fossil? It's not the person sitting next to you on the pew. Okay. All right. I, I just said that before any of you decided to try to say that. Okay. It's not, that's not what that is. What's a fossil? Did you raise, this is like an auction, brother. You, yeah, it's like an auction. I figured that's a bid right there. You was going to answer the question. Well, just what's a fossil? Okay. Okay. Well, that's an impression. All right. It might be of something, but what was it? But the thing that made it, that's what they're looking for. All right. And, uh, and that's a fossil. And so, so most of the fossils that we find around here, what are they? Shells. Now, where do you think all that came from? I think that came from when the flood happened. All right. So, so what was that shell? Was it empty? Well, no, but what I mean, but that shell, what it was, what it was made, was it empty? What did it have in it? It had a muscle in it. All right. It had a muscle in it. it was that thing dead or alive? It was alive. So when you see a fossil, when you see a shell, the occupant of that shell died. Now think about it with me. You're doing one of them mental push-ups now. All right. Think about it with me. So if there was no death when God made man and when God made the creatures of the sea and all those things, the scallops and coquinas and man conch shells and all those things. So it must have been, there must have been, since there was no death, then the fossil record that we find today, that geologists find today, really are artifacts of something that died after man had sinned. Because we know this, according to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all had sinned. You see, prior, prior to Adam, if you will, prior to that death, prior to that spiritual death, that death that took place, there wasn't any death. And so those fossils, so that has a lot to do with, with the geological record that's out there because they try to use those things to justify their atheistic feelings, their evolution, which is nothing more than a working hypothesis for an atheist. And that's, what, that's why they cleave to it. So, so the creation of man in his, in his original condition, I mean, I, I think that's pretty cool when you think about some of the things that are there. It's sort of like dominoes. You, have you ever seen those people set those dominoes up? They put them all up out there, and uh, 
and you know they push one over next thing you know i mean they make all these kind of things you know over in a few seconds it took all that work to do all that but the thing about when you push over a domino when you push over some of the things biblically sometimes you don't realize all the things that you're going to touch on the way before that little before that little activity ends and uh and so as we look at this i mean all these things should do is nail down and confirm for us the validity and accuracy of what Moses wrote here under inspiration. And we already know the Lord Jesus validated this, these first five books, when he said, hey, had, if you had believed Moses, he wrote of me, but since you're not going to believe him, you're not going to believe me. I mean, if Moses was in error when he wrote, the Lord would have never used that as a reference to something about him. And so that's why these first 11 chapters in the book of Genesis are so vital. They are so vital. And uh, so, so let's look at this. Let's go on then. Notice what it says. Look in verse 7. Notice what, notice what the Bible says here, all right? The creation of man in his original condition now is outlined for us here. The Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And so he's got dust for a body. Now dust, that word used there, it means the smallest particles, all right? And, uh, and so dust for the body, and, and they have proven that, that the, that the chemical, again, science is only catching up, the, the chemical composition of, uh, of a human body, it has, it has certain minerals in it, certain metals in it, and I, I was talking with someone, I think it's like, I think it's like maybe you're totally, you know, if you were to break us all down into all those things of all the, all the substances and all the elements, I think they said that somewhere we, I think we might be like worth a dollar 75, you know, maybe under the current administration with inflation being what it is, it, it might, some of us might just be a dollar and a quarter now. I don't know. All right. But, but uh, if you were to take all the things that are in us, but they have proven, you know, that you know, and what do you do? You go back to dust from whence you came. And uh, because, because not, and what's interesting is when you think about the composition of rocks and you think about the composition of some of the things that form out here that are, that are out here in the mountains and so forth, they have a completely different composition than what we have. And yet we know that they have derived from the same sources, all right? It all depends on what the maker was trying to make the right combinations of things. I mean, ladies, you do that with recipes all the time. Two people can take the same take the same recipe and sometimes come out different. <laughs> but the Lord maketh no mistake. Amen. He makes no mistake. So, so there's dust for the body and then we're going to see there's divine breath for the soul. Notice what it says, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. But notice something. It says he breathed into his nostrils. So what does that tell you about what happened? You know, it, what that tells me is that when God formed the body of Adam, it was all ready to go, but it was lifeless. Had all the organs, had all those things, but it didn't have that spark of life in it. It did not have it. He, you know, and it's not something, you know, you, it's not an image of he's going to get down there and do like CPR and blow in his mouth and his lungs inflate. That's not what happened. All right. This is the term that he breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and God is life. All right. 
and the breath of life, he came into him. And what did he do? And man became a living soul. That was different than what happened with the animals. And so I, I just have to throw this out here. You know, I'm sorry, that little movie by Disney or whoever it was, you know, all dogs go to heaven. Sorry. They don't have a soul. Men and women, mankind have souls that's made it how, what, what did chapter one say? What chapter one, verse 27. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created him. How, how, how is God? What kind of, what kind of being is God? He is a triune being, right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, three persons in one. You and I are a Trinity, if you will. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. And that's what happened here. And when man became a living soul, he got that never dying soul from God, which means that he's going to live somewhere in eternity forever. But it's all about location, location, location. Because God is never dying, neither is man. You know, people want to say, some of the cults out there want to say, well, you know, when you're dead, you get annihilated. And that's all there is. You just, you know, you just go to dust and you don't have any remembrance of anything more. And they misconstrue a lot of scriptures and they take things that David said and, and the like. And they twist all that around. No, listen, you've got an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And God gave that to man. And that's been handed down through each person then after their own kind, all right? And so man here was, was created. He was given this divine breath and we have God's likeness for the soul. So, so what was man supposed to do? You know, the age old thing, you know, he, he didn't have a mother. I don't think he had a belly button, all right? There was no umbilical cord. God formed man out of the dust of the earth. And then we know that Eve comes along God takes a rib from Adam, and you know, somebody will say, well, then men have one fewer rib than women. That's not true, all right? I don't know where all that got started, but that is not so. I mean, that'd be like saying if, if I lost my index finger of my left hand, then, then when my kids were born, they would be missing the index finger of their left hand. I mean, y'all with me? All right. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but listen, you know, the Bible's a wonderful book but it is also a dangerous book if, if you don't rightly divide it, if you don't, you know, if you don't know the author and so forth, a lot of people, they get messed up. They get messed up. And so, um, and I say it's dangerous because you think about how some places are leading people in, in, and say it's all done in the name of God and it doesn't have anything to do with truth at all. I mean, look at the Jim Jones. Drink the purple Kool-Aid. What was it? You know, look look at the David Koresh right here in Texas. That he was the Christ and, and so forth. Hey, and when people, remember we've been talking about this in Sunday school. You don't have wisdom from God. You need that perception, amen, to be able to see through things. That's why it's always better, man, read the word of God before you read somebody else's commentary about the Bible. That way you can find out if that guy is making the commentary is right or not. It's, it, don't, don't read somebody's commentary and then look at the Bible to figure out, you know, what is the Bible? No, no, read the Bible first. Then after time, look at that and you'll measure that by what you read here. Amen? Amen. That's the way to do it. That is the way to do it. 
And so God's likeness for the soul. So why, So what was man supposed to do? What was he supposed to eat? Well, you know, wasn't it good that the grocery store was completely stocked where he was? Amen. That's the way God made it. God didn't say, okay, all right, here's an orange tree. All right. Da, 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 da. Oh, look, there's a, there's a little sprout. That didn't happen like that. All right. They were formed. They were fully mature and they had fruit on them. They did. Look in verse 14. Notice our correction. Look in verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And I think in part... This is where, in part, what contributed to the mist that was there, all right? And from thence it parted and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that, which, that is it which compasseth the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that, la of that land is good. There is Delium and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same it is that compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hadekel. That is uh, it which goeth toward the east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. Where is Euphrates today? Where is that? Let's go back to school now for a little bit. All right. Not a test. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so if you say, so there was a land we learned about. If you took, uh, if you took early Western civilization you learned about the land called Mesopotamia. Do you remember that name? That's going back a little bit, Mesopotamia. And, and do you know what Mesopotamia means? It means the land between the rivers. And there are two rivers there. I flew over, I flew over one of these in my, on my way back from New Guinea, and uh, probably both of them actually. But and what those two rivers are, the Tigris and Euphrates River, which is where modern day Iraq is located. So it, it's in that area. That's where the tree of life was. That is where the Garden of Eden was in that region there. If you were to look on a modern day map. OK, and uh, and so and the Lord God. Now look at and the name of that. All right. So, so out of there, there's water for water for these plants. They could draw from these trees and so forth. And man was able to live off of that, to eat of those things. So, so there was the provision that man had, but notice something. He's also on probation. Man in the garden is on probation. Probation how? If he obeyed, he could stay. All right. Notice what it says. Look with me in verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And so if you have, uh, if you have grandchildren that are thinking about getting married, tell your granddaughters that Adam had a job before he got married. Amen. You see it right there. You know, uh, he, you know he, he was already taking care of business, okay? And, uh, and so he had a job. And his job was to dress and keep the garden. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Hey, man, you can go shopping. Go shopping, get what you need. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. 
For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. I bet you that was a strange thing. Since Adam walking around, man, nothing was dying. There, there was no death. And, uh, you know, and, and, and notice what it says. And, and so, so here, man is on probation as long as he, as long as he, was staying there, and you know he was neither he was he himself was neither good nor evil. He's he's kind of in this state of innocence, if you will. Again, it's on probation. It's like I told someone today. As a matter of fact, I was speaking with them on the phone, and I said, you know, sometimes we think, well, particularly we think about children or young people or whatever, and and if they show us some spark of life, and they 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 you know they obey their parents and so forth, we think that they have virtue. A lot of times, you know, that's just innocence. It just hasn't been put to the test yet. You know, it's, it's kind of like when you, I'm not saying that they aren't accountable at those ages, but sometimes it's in those teenage years when they allow other people to influence them, when they get put to the test. And then if they go through that and pass through the fire, that's when it becomes virtuous. All right. And that's kind of where Adam and Eve are going to be. All right. They were in that little in-between there, all right? He had been given dominion over the animals. He also has the ability to speak. That's something the animals don't have. But something that God put in the animals, there's an instinct. That's the, re that's the reason why that they do certain things at certain times of the year. And, you know, we don't have to put a sign up and say, hey, time to head south. You know, or, or, you know, they don't have little uh, television sets in the bird nests and say, man, looks like the weather, looks like the forecast not going to be good. We better skedaddle and get out of here. That doesn't happen that way. What? God put that in them, those instincts to do those things. I mean, look, look at the swallows of what? Of Capistrano and the grunion. They can tell when that's going to run. They can tell when those birds are going to show up. It's a part of their instinct that God put in them. And, uh, but that's the reason why, beloved, we're not running on instinct. We shouldn't be. That's why we need the wisdom of God. Because instinct alone, say, well, I got common sense. Well, I, I've known a lot of people that had common sense that reject the Bible and reject God. I don't think they're too smart. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and so common sense, that might, keep, that might keep you out of jail, but it won't keep you out of hell. All right? And so... So he's given the ability to speak and he's also given and help meet. Now listen, that word help meet is not one word. It always bothers me when I hear, when I hear a preacher say that he got to help meet. That's not what it says. Look at it with me. All right. Let's look at it. I'm not trying to split hairs here. I just want you to see this. Look down there with me. God gave names in verse 20 and, uh, Notice what it says at the latter part of that. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. So he said, yeah, she's a help me. Help me meet the bills, you know, by putting her to work. I, you know, I've heard all the jokes, all that stuff. But my point is, is that it was not good for man to be alone. Look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone and I will make him and help meet for him. It doesn't say help meet. That's not one word. But he made a helper meet. And that word meet, you know what it means? It means suitable. It means to complement. 
And ladies, I'll, I'll just put this out here for you, a little practical things. Listen, you're not in competition with your husband. You're to complete your husband. There's a difference between being a completer and a competer. Listen, anything with two heads is a freak. Amen, brother. Amen. There's only one head in the family. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ is the head of the man. God, the head of Christ. But ladies, doesn't mean you're inferior. Doesn't mean they just have a different role in creation. That's what that means. And, uh, and so, so you're to complete your husband, complete your spouse, not compete with them. All right? And so, and so here, God made and helped meet that was suitable, that fit him, that was just right for him. And uh, at, so that they could get on together because it wasn't good for man to be by himself. Now, as we move forward through these things, you know, we know how she was, we know how she was made. The Lord, look at verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. All right. So the Lord, even God knew that you shouldn't, you know, I'm glad he didn't take it out of Adam while he was awake. That would have not, you know, but can you, you know, if a lot of, if a lot of people in medicine would have read this, when it was written, I mean, it would have saved a lot of patients, a lot of pain, I think, you know? And so again, science is only catching up with the Bible. And so ether and the like, you know, that really didn't come about until really the civil war. You just had to tough it out, man. Hence the word, hey, bite the bullet. Or. You know, you got a piece of leather or they'd cut a stick or whatever. Tough, tough business. And, uh, and so, and the rib which, verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. All right. So what I want you to see though here is that as time moved on, and I'm going to close with this, as time moved forward, so does the status of man from a man he got that job and he became a servant. From a servant, he became a king. He was exercising dominion. He was over all those things in the garden. And the Lord was good to him. And then, man, he gives him a mate. He gives him a help that's meat for him. Gosh, he had it all. So he goes from just being a man to a servant to a king and then to a husband. And it won't be long down the road that he's going to become a father. And in each of those things, men, there's a we wear a different hat and our responsibilities change. And, uh, and yet God is going to hold us accountable for how we have held those offices as just being a man, our work ethic, how we, how we are, if you will, in the area of leadership. I think about that when I think about being a king. Leadership. That comes with, that comes with the gender. You know, leadership is one, one of two things. It's either abusive or the other ditch to stay out of is it's absent. God is looking for male leadership. And boy, we need it in the country. We need it in our church. We need it in our cities. Amen. Amen. 
And there is a shortage today. You have passive men and you have progressive women and you got little pampered children. And that's a bad combination. You say, well, man, you sound like you might be chauvinist. No, I'm not. I'm a Bible believer. I believe what God said. You know, there'd be a lot of times, you know, I wish I could have said, you know what, I really don't want to make this decision. Honey, you make it. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. And so uh, we'll talk about some of these other things about marriage and so forth down the road. But, uh, but what I want you to see is that, man, our future is tied to a degree to the past. And if we, if we, our future will be in peril if we reject these truths out of the past. And that's what's happening in a lot of places and in a lot of homes. Look at the problems that are out there today. Things that, things that our grandparents never thought about. Never had to worry about. And, uh, and it's because of the decisions that have made. And remember, you know, uh, somebody said change is only one generation away. And so that's why we have a great opportunity. While we're still drawing breath, we still have an opportunity to influence our communities, our children, our grandchildren, some of you, your great-grandchildren. And uh, like, like somebody had said about the funeral, and I said, well, you know, at this stage of life, they don't need something sugar-coated. They need the truth, and they need it now. Yeah. And, and that's where we are. I, really, and churches in America, we're behind the eight ball. Uh, I, I, I met with a, a man yesterday, a pastor yesterday uh, uh, of a Methodist church. And I don't know how many years he's been there, but he sure seemed like a good man to me. And we were talking and I enjoyed fellowshipping with him, Methodist pastor. And he said, but it looks like I'm, I'm going to be on my way out. And he said, this is not the way that I wanted to leave. And I said, what, what, what? and basically what's happening, he said, he said, the Methodist church, he said, we're dying. And not just them locally there, he said, but we, we don't know. He said, we're lost. We don't know where we're going. Speak about the, the denomination. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I said, well, I know what I read. And he said, well, don't go by what you read. He said, but I'm just telling you, he said, right here, right now, we're having to make a decision. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting with the board. And um, because they're thinking about embracing the LGBTQ and they want him to be a part of that. And he just can't do it. And he's really not ready to retire. He's really not ready to move on. But he may have to. Anyway, it's a shame. But, but that's a little benchmark of where we are. God help us that we hold fast to some truths right here. Amen. Amen. Scripture says this. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. And that's what we need to do to find the balance in these uncertain times. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I sure do thank you, Lord, for the Bible. I thank you for the truth of these words that Moses wrote and recorded at your behest and under your leadership that we could read about them today, Father. Thank you, Lord, for being our God and being, the Lord, our, our Father that looks down upon us to love on us, to supply us, even like for Adam, Lord, provision and and uh, protection, dear God, and peace. The things that Adam was enjoying, Adam and Eve had that opportunity. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our people this week. God, keep them safe. 
And I pray that you'll supply their needs and I ask that you'll watch over them tonight as they make their way home. Bless the folks that'll be watching tonight and those that have been listed on the prayer request. God touch them, Lord, we pray. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here. I so appreciate it.